Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it as I said, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. We're glad that you're here. And I have a special guest today, uh, an old friend, um, uh, missionary, Chris Murray, uh, missionary to the Philippines for years. And uh, years ago when we were in the Philippines, we got to stop by his church there. And so he is in the States now. Wanted to interview him about uh, life, mission, and also what we can do to uh, win the world to Christ. So, but Chris, good to see you. Glad you're here. It's good to see you, Brother Dave. Awesome. So uh, I'd like to start in the beginning. Um, where'd you get saved? How old were you? Uh, when was that? I was 19 years old. Uh, got saved up in Greenville, Tennessee, at wow. the East Side Baptist Church. I was um, I grew up from a broken home, yeah. and um, I uh, my grandparents raised me for the most part, and uh, uh, drunkards, wow. uh, wild background. My granddad was my hero, and uh, he um, but he got saved. Yeah. He gave his life to Christ, and. Um, not long after he got saved, he he had a massive stroke wow. that just really took him out. And um, I was always a good old boy, had good old boy religion, mm -hmm. and uh, thought I was going to be okay. But uh, when that happened to him, I got mad at God. I didn't understand why God let him live all his life as a moonshiner, drunkard. Wow. Uh, let him live his life uh, all those years. And then once he gave his life to Christ, not long thereafter, it, God just smote him with that stroke, and he couldn't he couldn't talk. He couldn't mm. tell us where he was hurting, and I just got very upset with God, and I started doing everything that I'd always stood against. Wow. Uh, I started drinking drugs, riotous living, and everything. And well, it didn't take me long to hit the bottom. Uh, I, I it was so bad I lost my desire to live, mm. and um, I was uh, sitting in my bedroom about to commit suicide one day. And I was reminded that whenever I was a child, my grandmother would set her on, set me on her knee, 
And she, she told me, she said, Chris, she said, one of these days you're going to come to the end of the road. She said, uh, me and your pa will be gone. Mm. Your dad's already left your mom and said your mom was no count. And he, she said, uh, you're not going to have anybody to turn to but God. She said, you call on God and he'll be there. And, uh, well, I didn't really know how to pray, what to say or anything, but I, I remember watching her, and I got down beside my bed, and I said, Lord, I said, if you'll show me a way of this mess, I'll take it. I didn't say amen or nothing else. I just said, you show me a way of this mess, I'll take it. And uh, just a few hours later, wow. someone came knocking at my door <laughs> uh, and invited me to come to church <laughs> the following Sunday. And, of course, I didn't know anything, but I knew that somehow, some way, God had heard wow. my prayer and was showing me a way out of the mess. And I went to church the following Sunday and they were starting a Bible conference. Yeah. And uh, that morning, the pastor, Jerry Mullendore, preached a tremendous message. And I probably should have gotten saved then and there, yeah. uh, but I didn't really know what to do or how to do it. Well, then that night they started the Bible conference and had a guest speaker by the name of Carl Hatch. <laughs> And, uh, well, uh, anybody who knew Carl Hatch knows the rest of the story. Uh, I was left. You're uh, not getting out of there lost. <laughs> I was, I was left. I mean, he, he, he gutted me like a fish. I mean, the, the, the preaching and then the Holy Spirit of God, uh, just tore me limb from limb. I couldn't wait till he hushed. And, uh, uh, I went forward and got saved that night wow. by the grace of God. That was July the 29th, 1990. Beautiful. Love to hear the stories how God works in people's lives, mm. and um, and people say, "Oh yeah, just a coincidence." No, God heard that prayer and sent somebody by. So many times when we go out sowing, and people say, "Where do I go? What neighborhood?" You can go anywhere. You you know, it's going to all the world and preach gospel. Every right. creature, you I can't lost go to people everywhere you turn. But boy, just stop and pray, God. Show me where to go. You know who's prepared. You know right. whose right. heart you've touched already. And how many times have we seen a miraculous thing like that? And like, can't. I just prayed yesterday. God sent me somebody, and here you are knocking on my door. Well, on this particular day, Brother Dave, what made this so unique was uh, the, the person who came knocking on my door, it was a boy that I'd gone to high school with, and mm -hmm. I hadn't talked to him in uh, close to two years, I wow. guess. And he just lived out the road, and he would always go around the curve. I lived on the hill, and he would always blow his horn as he went by and just kept on trucking. But on this day, he said as he came around the curve, down the hill, blew his horn, as he always does, he said, as I was driving by your house, he said, the Lord spoke to me and told me to turn around and come back and invite you to church. And uh, and he got down in the bottom, and of course he turned around and came back and and, wow. and invited me to church. But it was just, it was God. That's beautiful. It was God all, all the way. So surrender to ministry, surrender to missions, how did that, uh, how well, did that happen? Uh, Ministry-wise, um, I, I began to feel immediately that God was calling me to the ministry, but I wow. thought, no, no, there's no way God's calling you. My background, uh, I thought, this this is not possible. Mm. Uh, you're just excited because you've gotten saved and God's changed your life. I mean, the night before I was drunk, and then and then the very next day I'm 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 a, <laughs> I'm a child of God. Amen. And um, and God took the bottle out of my hand and put a Bible in it and. And even took the desire to drink again away. And yeah. and uh, um, so I, I'm thinking, well, you're just excited about the changed life. But uh, the Lord wouldn't let me get away from it. And um, finally, in the uh, first week of October of 91, which was just a little over a year later, uh, I, um, I I went to my pastor and I told him, I said, I, 
I said, I know you're going to try to talk me out of it because he always does. I said, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God's calling me to the ministry. And so I began my ministry the first week of October of 1991. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful. So um, how did you get from there, trained mission field? What, well, uh, from there, I, um, uh, I went over to Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Tabernacle Baptist Bible okay. College under Dr. Harold Seitler. Wow. And uh, worked in the ministry there, served as the youth director. And uh, I was praying for God to call some of our young people to, to missions. <laughs> and uh, it's so funny because uh, my, my pastor from Tennessee, he calls me up. He's taken a team to... Uh, Israel. He wanted me to go and be one of the lecturers because I'd already been once. Uh -huh. And um, uh, I, uh, he wanted me to go, and I said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go. Be glad to. In that conversation, uh, I still remember like it was yesterday, God said no. <laughs> God said, if you can raise the money to go to Israel on, you know, uh, joyriding, yeah. uh, you need to go to the Philippines and see what I'm dealing with your heart about. Wow. Right in the wow. conversation. <laughs> And so I told Pastor, I said, I, I said, preacher, I said, I said, I, I know this is going to be hard for you to swallow. I said, but God just told me no, and mm. I told him. He said, Are you serious? And like he was in disbelief, and he said, Are you kidding me? I said, No, I'm serious. God mm. just told me no. And um, I said, Well, just pray with me about it. He said, Okay. The very next day, someone called my pastor, and uh, they were. It was R Brother Robert Keaton. Yeah. of Rock of Ages Prison Ministry. Okay. And they were getting a group together to go to the Philippines on the very first mission trip from Rock of Ages. Yeah. And he called my pastor. He said, Brother Jerry, he said, we're getting this team together. He said, do you know of anybody that might have an interest in going to the Philippines? The next day. And my, the very next day. <laughs> and my pastor. You're just he, making this stuff up. It really uh, didn't My, my pastor <laughs> nearly fell out of, out of his office seat into the floor and, and, unbel and unbelief. He couldn't believe it. And so... So from there, uh, went on the trip, and and uh, God just confirmed it in our hearts that that's where He wants to go. And so, Amen. from there, we we began our missionary journey. That was the first week of March, no, first week of 1995. But we made it official first week of March of 1995, and we hit the uh, deputational trail. God raised our support up in 17 months, wow. and we moved to the Philippines and served Amen. there for 20 years. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Hard so, to believe how fast 20 years can go. I mean, oh, yeah, now yeah. and see that. So, yeah. um, so where were you at in the Philippines, and what did you do, and uh, the ministry, and what's, what's going on uh, since then? Well, the Lord led us to Bacolod City, okay. and uh, we went there, and uh, when I first arrived, we, we started going to various churches, just learning culture, mm -hmm. language uh, as best we could. Uh, and then we started our, our first church in... Um, January of 98, okay. and uh, we started the church there in Bacolid, um, which evolved under a few different names as we had to move because we had to we had to do contracts on, on buildings, mm -hmm. and, and we do one-year contracts, and we had to move every time we turned around, wow. in which when you move, you lose people, and it's like starting over every time we turned around until finally we got to the place where we were able to sign an extended contract and there we started the New Beginnings Baptist Church. Amen. And uh, God began blessing in a tremendous way, raised up a great group of people. We uh, started the church in 2004, started the Bible College in 2005, started a, uh, a deaf church uh, in 2006, um, started a school of music 
in 2006, uh, and just it just it began to be a, a, a like a snowball effect. I mean, things just start falling in place, God raising up, and we, and then while doing that, we eventually were able to start sending out church planners, uh, people who were saved and trained in our ministry, graduate graduate in our Bible college, and then they would go out and start more churches, Amen. and so we did that up until. 2015, uh, turned the work over to a young man who was saved in our ministry, mm. uh, had been there since the very first night uh, of our ministry. Wow. The Lord blessed us to be able to have good relationships with uh, a lot of people. Most of our people, uh, when they came, they got saved. Uh, we were real big on discipleship, so we mm. built relationships. Uh, most of our people stayed. We, we didn't have a lot of come and go mm -hmm. situations. And so um, uh, he was one of them. Uh, he was there the very first night. Uh, and the uh, unique story about our starting a church is that the initial group of people that we started our church with was a bunch of kids. Hmm. And they were across the road from our house in a fight. <laughs> I mean, they were having a knockdown drag out, throwing wow. uh, sugar cane sticks and rocks <laughs> and coconuts and everything at one another. And we went out and, you know, I stopped them from fighting. I said, you know, you'll come in and I shared a Bible story with them, had snacks, played some games. And that night we had, I'm going to say, uh, maybe 20 people there. And out of those 20 people, 11 of those people are in the ministry today. Wow. Uh, serving as pastors, church planners, uh, evangelists, uh, and uh, pastors' wives. There was women in that fight too, girls in that fight. <laughs> And, so what and you're so, saying is we shouldn't care about kids. We shouldn't reach kids. They don't uh, matter yeah, all yeah. that, right? <laughs> uh, we, were, we were criticized uh, in the early days because they, they called us the junior church of Bacoli because we had so many kids. Wow. But uh, by the grace of God, a lot of those kids are now church planting missionaries and sending out and reproducing and starting That's more powerful. churches. That's and so uh, God did a great work. He really Amen. did. Funny because whenever I was at Tabernacle in ministry, I, I, my intentions was to be a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. And um, when God sent us to the Philippines, I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest with you, because I wanted to stay in the States. Uh, be a youth pastor, stay at Tabernacle, serve under Dr. Seitler, which yep. was an honor. Uh, but uh, God sent me over to the Philippines where 51% of the population was under, under the age of 17. And wow. uh, so, I mean, he basically sent me to the largest youth group in the world, I yeah. think, you know. And That's so good. God raised up a great work. So where uh, where have you helped plant churches uh, with your guys and um, church? And we have helped start churches in... Um, just from from our guys trained in our ministry, we've got guys in Thailand, yeah. uh, Myanmar, um, Cambodia, Vietnam. Um, we've helped in Laos, wow. uh, China, uh, South Korea, and as well as um, uh, did some smuggling into a, a a country just north of South Korea. <laughs> that uh, we're not supposed to be in, but, uh, but God's done That's some big. great things. That's big. By the grace of God, since we started out in the missionary trail, the Lord has allowed us to start 74 uh, ministries, which wow. includes 65 churches, hmm. four schools, uh, four orphanages, and that, um, that uh, smuggling ministry. Wow.
That's amazing. I was in Korea for a year in the army and uh, was in North Korea once um, at the uh, city that's right between where they do all their meeting. There's a building that um, um, half a line is in North Korea, right. half the line is in South Korea. Mm -hmm. So, so we were allowed to step on one side of yeah. North Korea. Yeah. It's a crazy place up there, and so yeah. boy, people. So yeah, I've been there uh, to yeah. the, to that area. I wasn't allowed to go uh, to that building because at the time I was there, there was tension. Yeah, yeah, there, there's so, that often. So God's brought you back to the states now, and so what are you doing now? Um, where are you out of? What are you doing? And if somebody wanted to support be a part of that how would they do that well in 2015 we stepped away from the philippines after 20 years uh, having helped all the filipino missionaries go to these other countries they of course we received many invitations to come and mm -hmm. i never would go i just didn't have the liberty to do that we raised our support to be missionaries in the philippines and right. so i didn't want to go to thailand or vietnam or somewhere and have some something break loose and then we have to contact our churches and say I'm over here and they're going right. to say why are you there you're supposed to be over there right. so we stayed and I, I never went but in 2015 the Lord gave us liberty to step out and we began working in all those countries on a more personal level yeah. and uh, so that's where really the growth came uh, up until 2015 we were only at um, I think around 14 or 15 ministries Wow. And since 2015, what our role has primarily been is raising funds mm -hmm. to help these guys get started and uh, get them up on their feet. Right. So we, we do that. We raise the funds to basically support the pastor for three years. Beautiful. That way he can give himself completely to the ministry and not have to try to balance a, a job and a ministry as well. Uh, but we support him and his family for three years. We reduce that support every six months so that uh, they understand the goal is to become an indigenous self-supporting ministry yeah. and of course now at the end of three years if they're not quite ready you know, we don't just drop them we we consider the situation mm -hmm. evaluate things and and do what we have to do for the sake of survival for the ministry but now if the pastor is just being lazy that's a different story sure. Uh, we have supported some of our guys up to five years, mm -hmm. depending on where they were and, and what they needed. And, uh, so God has blessed that effort. Um, we have lost a few along the way, uh, but uh, for the most part, all of our guys have been able to stick and stay with it. We have several uh, indigenous ministries in operation now by the awesome. grace of God. So uh, what does it take to... Uh for one pastor for one year, I know it may be different in different countries, mm -hmm. but what is the support, uh, you know, to raise money for a missionary, you know, deputation now, what is about average three years, and then to get to a field and then start a church? How quickly uh, are these guys ready to go? Are they trained? Uh, what would it cost for a year to uh, support one of these Well, guys? the guys are trained before we send them out, mm -hmm. so they're ready to go. What we do is we try to raise at least $6,000 for... A new church plan okay and what that is is we give them six hundred dollars up front as as a starting cost to get chairs materials you know rental whatever they need to get situated six hundred dollars yeah yeah <laughs> uh that's minimum wow um and then but there's been times where we've been able to give them more um but um but again we're trying to start uh national churches right. not american exactly. churches and so we do that a purpose so that the, it, it'll be them it'll mm -hmm. be their ministry 
And then we support the pastor, start them out at $150 a month, and then we reduce it every six months. Uh, and uh, so that's what we do. So basically, uh, $6,000 will start and support a church for three years. Now you say, that's that's impossible. Well, that's not supplying everything they want sure. or need. Sure. You know, if we if we supplied everything they wanted and everything they needed, then it'd be a much more high figure. But there again, we don't want to get them to a place where they're totally dependent upon us. Right. Uh, this is just to help them get on their feet uh, so that they can stand on their own. And we do not believe in perpetual support. We do that three-year program. And after the three-year program, we don't just turn our back on them. We, we remain in fellowship with them. We, mm-hmm. we continue to help them with projects as the Lord provides. Right. Uh, beyond the, uh, the monthly support for the pastor, we, we've bought vehicles. We've, we've, we've helped with their new building. We, we will help them build a starter building to get started. And then as they want to build a permanent building, uh, we come alongside them and, and we'll ha- contribute and we'll help them. We don't do it for them, yeah. but we'll help them with that. And so we've helped with a lot of transportation needs, um, uh, special events, their VBS, their anniversary celebrations. You know, we make contributions. Um, we help them with various things such as that. Awesome. So um, it's amazing to think that $6,000, you can start a church and mm-hmm. help them to be able to uh, get there. And like you said, we don't want these churches to be a, um, a, a mission or just U.S. provided on uh, because that's a welfare church. And right. they're going to have that mentality and they're not going to give and go. I was telling you earlier, first mission trip I ever went on was to Mexico. And the pastor, missionary there, was telling me he messed up. He paid for everything. Right. And then when he wanted them to start paying for things, so he was going to go start another church. And they said, no, 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 you're the rich American. You pay for right. it. And exactly. they never took ownership and responsibility for that. So, And he said, I learned. I, next church he started, he didn't do that. His support took care of him. Um, that's a big deal. So um, if somebody, what is the name of the, the mission that you have? And if somebody wanted to support you as you do that, obviously it takes some support. You you have to be able to take care of your uh of your bills, what um, support you or to help a bad church started? Where would they go and how would they do that? Uh, we're being supported through the Central Missionary Clearinghouse okay. of Houston, Texas. Um, generally, what how it works is they generally support me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, through me, uh, I support the guys. Got it. Um, and then we have some people that, for example, let's say you wanted to, to sponsor a church. Mm-hmm. Well, you give that $6,000, that's put in a, a special account, and it's given monthly awesome. to to the project that it's it's uh, intended for. Great. So is there an email address, website, phone number? What's the best way for someone to contact you or support or be a part of that? They can uh, support us through cmcmissions.org. Okay. CMCmissions.org. Okay. That's the Central Missionary Clearinghouse uh, missions.org. Uh, you go there and there's a click and uh, donate okay. uh, icon on, on their website, and you just designate it for our ministry. Awesome. And uh, I always encourage people to, uh, to send me a, a personal email as well to let mm-hmm. me know what their intentions are so yeah. that I can know. If I just have a church that shows up on our statement sending some, uh, a certain amount of money, 
if they've not communicated with me, I may not know what it's for. Got it. And so I was encouraged in that. And then my personal email is, is cam4asia at gmail.com. C-A-M, the word for or the little The word, number four. Number four. C-A-M, the number four, Asia at gmail.com. Yes. Beautiful. Uh, I know when I was there and taught some pastors, I, uh, I asked them, hey, what's the biggest thing you struggle with while you're here? And the big group, uh, it was at uh, Dr. Um, was it Cebu? Dr. Church and big group of guys. And I asked them, what's the biggest thing you struggle with here? And they said, finances. He said, you know, we many times have to work a full-time job to take care of our family. And that's right. 12 hours a day, six right. days a week, just to provide food for the family. So right. then ministry time and reaching, building, growing, it's just, it's just uh, almost impossible mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. And so to free them up for that little bit of money where right. they could do that, that's incredible. Yeah. That's uh, Well, without a that. doubt, we could give more. You know, uh, monthly support, more startup fees, mm -hmm. but like I said, we don't want to make them dependent upon us. But that that little bit uh, enables them to get involved in the ministry, and 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 the thing I like about this approach is is we stay behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, in other words, if I go over there personally and do it, uh, even if I've, I've even if I'm there. And I'm working with Joe here, and I'm giving him money, even though they may not see me giving him the money. But if, if I'm there and they know that I'm involved, then they're going to look at it as my ministry, right. and their loyalty is going to be to me. And so by doing this, I stay behind the scenes. Uh, he is their pastor. He is their leader. He's the one they're looking to for guidance. And, and, and that way, there's no transitional issues. Uh -huh. uh, the young man that I turned our work over to had been with me for 18 years um, whenever we when we turned that work over to him. And I looked at, at that ministry as if it was as much his as it was mine, if I can say it that way. Sure. But yet there were still transitional issues uh -huh. uh, because everyone, uh, everyone there still looked at me as the pastor. Yeah. And so this approach um, minimizes a lot of transitional issues. Mm -hmm. uh, problems. Uh, this approach uh, expedites the process of church planning because they're yeah. able to uh, reach their people in their culture, in their language, mm -hmm. uh, and the job gets done. The, right. the, the, the objective is that the job gets done. It yeah. doesn't really matter how we do it as long as we're not compromising biblical sure. principles. Exactly. And and so, I know for me when I first started doing it, it was a it was a little bit of a, um, a jab to my pride. Yeah. Uh, to take the back seat, uh, mm -hmm. and just be a money man, so to speak. Um, but it was a it was kind of a, a jolt to my pride because you know I wanted to be the man. Yeah. And uh, but God had to work in my heart about that and say, what's the objective here? Are you being the man or or church is being started. Mm -hmm. And so this method has proven um, very effective, much more cost effective. Yeah. And uh, and the, the, the process of time is it's, it's just the multiplication is, yes. is so much easier. And then the time to be able to get up and going yes. It's amazing to take three years in the States you know, just on deputation, just right. then to move over there and, and pack and build and all that, where boom, guy's ready. He's right. ready. Just yeah. get started. So, awesome. Uh, change gears before we end here. We talked some about this. 
uh, you know, I've been in the ministry, I guess we're probably close to the same age, and you see a lot of things, you see a lot of hurts and pain. Um, if somebody messes up, a Christian or a pastor falls and, um, and messes up, um, what should be done? Uh, what have you seen done and what should be done in situations like that? I think the longer we're in this, the more we see that uh, there's sin and people struggle. And so many times I see that not being handled the right way. Um, what have you seen out there? Um, what have you seen done and what should be done if somebody if somebody falls in the ministry? Well, it's a very unfortunate situation. Um, I find oftentimes when a person falls that they're basically kicked to the curb to die alone. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe it's unnecessary. I, I believe the Bible teaches repentance mm -hmm. and restoration. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that the, the people of God has a biblical obligation if a person is truly repentant. Now, if they're not repentant, that I know that, 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 that causes a different problem to deal with. But if a person is truly repentant of their fall, um, they should be forgiven. Mm -hmm. They should be restored. Uh, I have a real big problem with preaching to a sinner that if they that if they come to Christ and they repent, that His mercy and grace will provide forgiveness and they can receive redemption. Right. And then we preach to a saint of God that if they sin, they drift, they backslide, they get away from God. If they'll repent, uh, if they'll come back and repent, that, that they can, you know, through the mercy and grace of God, they'll be forgiven and they'll be restored. Mm -hmm. But yet for the, for the servant of God, uh, we basically tell them there is no repentance, there is no yeah. restoration, there's only removal for you. And I don't find that in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't see in the Bible one place where God ever refused a person's repentance. Uh, I don't find where he ever refused someone wanting to serve him. Mm -hmm. um, uh, David fell and David uh, repented. God restored him. God used him. Um, and he was a servant of the Lord. Amen. And uh, somebody says, well, he wasn't a preacher. Well, he wrote the book you're preaching. Um, he wrote. Uh, Book of Psalms, the largest book of the Bible. And, and David was the author, the human author. Uh, Jonah was a preacher. Jo Jonah uh, rebelled against the calling of God, refused to do what God wanted him to do. God took him to the watershed, yep. got him right. He repented, set him back on the trail of service. Uh, same way with Peter. You know, I was thinking about Peter the other day. You know, Peter, uh, he denied even knowing the Lord. Yeah. And... Uh, Matthew said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty serious thing to, in it the is. eyes and ears of God. But yet Peter did that. Yep. But yet Peter found the place of repentance where he got right with the Lord. And who was that guy that preached on the day of Pentecost? Yep. And throughout the book of Acts and just set the, set the world on fire? Amen. It was Peter. And so I believe that, that when a servant of God falls, if he is truly repentant of his sin, then we as a church, we have a biblical obligation to restore Amen. him to as much usefulness as possible. Now, there may be some restrictions. There may be some things that uh, he may not be able to do as well as he used to. I don't know where those guidelines are, uh, but I say let him do all he can. 
uh, for the glory of God. If he if he witnesses to the wrong one and they get saved, God will forgive him. <laughs> uh, if he starts a church in the wrong place and the church goes on, God will forgive him. Yeah. Uh, I, I say let God be God and let's just do all we can to, insert, to, to encourage the servants of the Lord. Amen. I'm amazed in this and we've worked a lot to help restore people. And I'm amazed how people, Pharisees, they play the judge mm -hmm. and the jury mm -hmm. and the executioner. Sure. Um, they're the prosecutor. And they only know less than one half of one side of a story, and that's it. And they've already played all those roles. Well, I don't see anywhere in the Bible that that's my role. Uh, right. Now, if somebody messed up, is there a judge? Yep. And are there consequences? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What I see my role is, is if a brother be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit <laughs> of meekness. And well, that seems like to me exactly opposite of the way it's done so many times. And, and you emphasize and want to uh, take it a task on a point. You'll agree, I think. But, uh, you know, if they're repentant, if they're repentant. In Galatians 6.1, where does it say, if they're repentant, restore them? True. It true. says, if a brother be overtaken in a fault, yours are spiritual, restore mm -hmm. such a one. Now, right. when you try to restore them, many times they aren't repentant. Right. So what do you do? Love them, right. care about them. Right. In meekness, still love them and care about them. And eventually, what's God going to do? <laughs> it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. The goodness of God is going to lead them to repentance. Right. And the uh, godly sorrow that God works leads them to repentance. Right. God's right. going to beat on them or love them. God's going to chastise them yeah. and love them and get them to the point. And guess who they're going to let help them? That person that loved them and right. tried to restore them. Many times people we tried to help, they were just like, I'm going to do a full podcast on this, but um, just like they go through the uh, when somebody loses a loved one. And they have the stages mm -hmm. of grief, you know, right. that somebody goes through. I believe many times there are stages of a fall when somebody goes through. Sure. And you look at Adam, you look at David, you look at what happened when they fell. How many times did they ever come out and say, it's me, I've sinned, <laughs> fall, humble, repentant, and get right, you know? <laughs> Adam didn't, David didn't. That's our example. There is going to be an immediate cover hiding of our sin, trying to get away with it, trying to do what we can on our own. And I think that's a phase or a stage of that where we get to the point of repentance where David is, what was me? I'm the man. It was told to him, you're right. And he takes that. And so I see even if someone's not repentant, it's still our job to love them, care yes, about them, and I try to restore them in the spirit of meekness because eventually they're going to come to that day of right. repentance and the person that loved them and cared about them is the person that they're going to let help them. And I know you believe that, but, oh, uh, yes. but, uh, well, but you if, know, if so they're repentant, say, it just speeds up the process. Exactly. If they're unrepentant, then you love them back to the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Um, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Um, I think it's such a big deal. And you know, it's amazing to me where sin abounds, grace stuff much more yes. abound and you can't change yesterday. Okay, then let's plan for the future. And um, people want to beat people up for the past. Nothing that any of us did yesterday, last year, last month, last year can be changed. But boy, the future of us handling things the right way, what could be done for God? I wonder how many servants of God are sitting on the sideline, oh, yeah. not being used because so many Pharisees said, you're not worthy. Well, I was never worthy. Right. <laughs> I That's mean, exactly you're, right. You're not, you know, to the level. I was never to the level. I was always a sinner. I'm always right. wicked. I'm always undone. I like what There's my pastor there. calls them. He calls them the religious bullies. Yeah. And That's um, true. You know, Joseph, you know, he was in a high-ranking place of, of leadership. 
when his brothers uh, came back eating crow. Yeah. And I like how he responded. He said, am I in the place of God? <laughs> and he said, no, I'm not. And uh, he, he just loved on his brothers. Yeah. He meant it for evil, God meant it for good, and exactly. uh, to save much people alive. And boy, it's amazing how many times we're not supposed enough to understand that. And, uh, well, you know, you, you mentioned a while ago, Galatians 6 and 1, ye which are spiritual, that's the problem. Amen. We don't have enough spiritual uh, people involved in this restoration process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, church discipline, uh, it's not about removal, it's about restoration. Absolutely. Removal is the last step you take yeah. uh, when you've done all you know to do. And, and But there's not a time frame in the Scripture on that. Uh, but I know this, that God wants us to be patient and long-suffering with people and, uh, and, and give Him time to work. And I believe He will. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing the two rebukes in Corinthians over the man that was in sin. Um, Paul rebuked the man how he could take his, his father's wife and, you know, there's fornication not so much named among the Gentiles and, and rebuked him for that. And he judged him concerning that. But then later he judged the church that they were not weeping. They were not broken. They were not um, in, in tears and broken that one one in their crowd could be taken away from them, you know. And so it's amazing how many times it's not an attitude of that, of a of a church that's broken over someone's sin, trying to love them back to God, but it's a, a judgment of, of um, condemnation over somebody that sinned. Um, it's amazing how many times people we try to help, or people, when we try to help somebody, somebody else condemns us, watch out. That's what it says, considering thyself, yeah. lest thou also be tempted. And you, and many times it's that person that needs to be helped next because they stood over somebody in condemnation and they did pick up that rock to throw it. Um, one of my favorite phrases to a song uh, is called, This Must Be the Place, and it says, You cannot lift the fallen if your hand still holds a stone. Mm. What a powerful statement. Wow, <laughs> so I've good. got a rock in my hand to throw it at somebody. I can't open and extend my hand to lift somebody up right. when they fall. That's and true. And so you can't do both of those. You let that rock go and say, hey, mm -hmm. let me lift you up. Let me help you. I like what Adrian Rogers said. He said, put down your stones and pick up your Bibles. Mm -hmm. you That's know? good. That's um, good. Well, I appreciate well, you and the work and what's being done. And I, I love people that are willing to rethink what is the best way to reach the world. We are commanded, you and I, to get the gospel to the world. I humanly, personally, can't go to every nation, every person, right. but how can we multiply that? What is the best way to take what we have, what we've been given, and multiply that and train people and then get them to the field and help them to start those churches to get the gospel to the world and, yeah. and love what you're doing and uh, appreciate you coming. You're speaking at our church and uh, glad to have you here and uh, excited about what God's doing. Anything uh, that I didn't ask you that you think would be interesting or helpful to the people to know about you, the ministry, or... Anything that God laid on your heart? Early in my ministry, I had the privilege of, of um, driving a, an old evangelist one summer to his meetings. His name was B.M. Page okay. up in Indianapolis, Indiana. We were driving down the road one day, and we were just talking about the state of uh, the church and the state of America, how things were. He made this statement to me, and I've never forgotten it. He said, Brother Chris, it doesn't matter what everybody else does. He said, let's you and I do right, stay sweet, and love people. Yeah. And God will use us. And I'd want to say that there's people out there hurting. People need help. 
Uh, people are broken. Uh, they need to be rebuilt. And the only way we're going to do it is by, by doing right, staying sweet, Amen. loving people, Amen. and let God use us. Um, I want to encourage all those who may be listening. And in fact, that was the first lesson I gave in the Philippines. And people still to this day, they, 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 they recite that wow. oftentimes. Do right. Uh, I know we're going to make mistakes. God knew we was going to make mistakes. He, he knew that before he saved us. Absolutely. Uh, that's why First John 1, 9 is in the Bible. Um, stay sweet. It's, it's not always easy to be sweet. But you've got to let the Lord love people through you. Some people are not very lovable. <laughs> Sometimes you love to smack some of them. <clears throat> but um, just love them with the love of the Lord. Amen. Uh, that's why he shed his love uh, in our hearts so that we can love people like him. And then uh, uh, just uh, just love people. Do right, stay sweet, love people. Right. And uh, God will use us. God, God will use us to help one another. Um, you know, he said, uh, you know, here my, here, here's how people know that you're among the disciples, if you have love one for another. Amen. And uh, I, I'm not one of those type of preachers that's all lovey-dovey, <laughs> you know, not preaching truth. Uh, you got to balance grace and truth. Um, but... Um, uh, I just believe that there's a lot of servants of the Lord, uh, Brother Dave, that's been uh, kicked to the curb, kicked to the side, that if they'd been lovingly restored, they could have gotten back up on their feet and mm -hmm. gone on for God and done a great work uh, still yet. And, and I just believe that if we would um, get back to the biblical principles of, of uh, mercy and grace and forgiveness and restoration, that uh, we could see a lot more people uh, getting up just like David, just like Jonah, just like Peter, just like Mark. Yeah. You know, Amen. the Bible doesn't say what, why Mark walked away, uh, but uh, he walked away. and uh, But he he ended up coming back and doing a great work for the Lord. And he too was used of God to pen uh, the gospel according to Mark. Amen. And so, um, so, you know, there may be people listening to this podcast and they fall. Uh, they messed up, and and there's all kinds of ways of falling. There's all kinds of ways right. of messing up. It doesn't matter um, what what your situation is. The Bible says a just man falleth seven times, and he riseth up. Amen. Uh, you're going to fall one way or the other. Uh, your fall may not be a public scandal. Mm -hmm. uh, your your fall may be a private matter, but it doesn't matter whether it's public or whether it's private. You're going to fall. Yep. Uh, the the main thing is get up. Get right and go on for God. Amen. Just on that note, it's amazing in uh, Revelation when it talks about the fallen. Um, it says, uh, repent from where thou art fallen and do the first works. Exactly. How many of the Pharisees have fallen from witnessing mm -hmm. and telling people about Jesus, that he'll yeah. love them and save them? The Bible calls those people fallen, and mm -hmm. they're the ones that need to get up yeah. and do what you said, you know, go love people. Jesus, so, Mary, thank you for um, being here and for your work and what you're doing. And glad to get to be a little part of it uh, when I saw you in the Philippines and then now here and excited about what God's doing with you. So, thank you. Thank you for having me. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com.